listening to Abiding Hope Church's podcast of our weekly sermons. For more information about our church, please visit abidinghope.org. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist, or baptizer, appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the reign of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees, Sadducees, coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. So while the choir is making their way to their seats, I just want to take a moment to say thank you for your prayers. The last few weeks, I had a pretty severe viral infection that knocked me down for a couple of weeks. And and while I was sick, um, I fell down my basement stairs and banged my head on a baby gate that we use at the bottom of the stairs to keep the dogs from going, going up and ended up with 11 stitches above my right eye and a concussion. So it's been, a, it's been a difficult few weeks, but I am very grateful uh, for your prayers and, and for your uh, good wishes during that time. So thank you very much. So this passage we have today is really the continuation of a story, a story that began with the beginning of time, a story that began when God envisioned life. You see, God envisioned from day one a world that lives in intimate relationship with God, where humanity is living as the heart, hands, and feet of God's presence, caring for the creation, building unity and oneness and peace and opportunity for all people. That's the the vision God had for this world. But what happened was humanity forgot who we are, and we forgot why we're here. We forgot that we are children of God, and we forgot that our lives are to be used to be poured out to create justice and and peace and love and inclusion for all people. 
And so what God would do is God would send different people, prophets, leaders, who were working to, to remind humanity what we're about and why we're here. And a couple of those people were Abraham and Sarah. In order for us to understand really what's happening with John in the wilderness and at the, at the Jordan River, we need to go back to Abraham and Sarah. Because God came to them and said, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And God made three promises to Abraham and Sarah. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. And the first promise was, you're going to be the parents of a great nation. Now, at that time, how many children did Abraham and Sarah have? Zero. None. In fact, their son Isaac wasn't born until they were 100 years old. How would you like to be parenting at 100 years old? You know, no, any takers for that? No. No, 100 years old. And so the first promise uh, came into fruition because Isaac then had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and Jacob had 12 sons, a large family, and from there then the people became a great nation. Well, the second promise was your people will have land to live on. Well, remember what happened to Jacob's family is they ended up in Egypt. Remember? They ended up in Egypt. And so God raised up another leader. His name was? Starts with an M. Moses. There you go. Moses. Moses. Moshe. Moses. So God raised up Moses to to, uh, get the Pharaoh to let the people go so that they could go to, where were they going? The promised land. That's the second promise. You will have land to live on. And so Moses led the people through the Red Sea, and before they crossed into the promised land, do you remember what they had to walk through, what they had to cross through? The Jordan River. And it's powerful because as they crossed through the Jordan River, they were told to pick up a a river rock, pick up a stone as you go through, and when you get to the other side, they set those stones down to make a monument so that they would always remember that God is faithful, that God keeps promises. Well, they went into the promised land, and then uh, the third aspect, or the third promise that God made to Abraham was that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Isn't it interesting that all the way back in the book of Genesis, God wasn't concerned simply about one race of people, one religious group of people. God was concerned for the whole world. And that he called Abraham and Sarah and made this covenantal relationship with them so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. But what happened was the people forgot that aspect of the promise. You see, the first two parts God made happen. God did it. God made them a great nation. God gave them land to live on by delivering them out of Egypt. But this third promise requires their participation. The people had to use their gifts and their abilities and pour themselves out in service so that all nations of the world would be blessed. But they they forgot to do that. They began to think that God was theirs, that God existed for them, and that, that others, we had to keep them out. In fact, if you had gone to the temple in Jerusalem and you were not a part of the Jewish community, you couldn't even go into the temple. You had to stay in this outside area as though God needed to be protected from heathens, right? From, from the defiled, from the, the, the unclean. And this was not at all a part of God's vision for the world. And so John the baptizer 
what he, he does is he shows up on, on the scene and he's calling everybody back to where? The Jordan River. So that they could get back in the water, get reimmersed into that water, remember their true identity and their true purpose, and start over. See, this is what the repentance is. We need a new mind. When we operate with the mind that, that God is ours and God exists to meet our needs, we miss the mark. And so John was calling them back. Now, John was kind of a tough character, right? Did you catch how he was dressed? He's wearing camel hair. That's not Brooks Brothers, okay? The guy killed a camel and took his skin and was wearing it. That wasn't a popular thing back then. That was, he's a tough dude. And what was he eating? Locusts, and wild honey. Where do you get honey? Bees. They didn't have those neat white suits, you know, that you put on that cover you. The guy is fighting bees. I mean, this is a tough, gruff character. And I'm sure it was a spectacle there at the Jordan River. But people were coming out because it made sense. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten why we're here. Let's get back in the water. Let's have a do-over and cross the Jordan one more time so that we can begin to live into that third promise that all the nations, all the families of the earth will be blessed through us. Is there a lesson in here for us today? Is there a lesson here for us today? How often do we forget who we are and why we're here? How often do we think that God exists as our own personal deity to make us happy, to answer our prayers, to do things the way we want them to be done? How often do we minimize God by saying things like, America is God's nation? Really? I thought the universe belonged to God. Why would we make God limited to one nation, to one people, to one ethnicity? We heard early on that uh, in Genesis that God's heart is for all the families of the earth and that we're not here to monopolize God. We're here to be God's delivery system for blessing all families of the earth. This morning, I read a devotional written by um, Richard Rohr, and uh, he's a Franciscan uh, priest. He's in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. He founded the Center for Action and Contemplation. If you haven't read his stuff, I think he's brilliant. R-O-H-R is how you spell his name. And, and Richard said in, in his devotion this morning, he was talking about uh, the, the, the forbidden fruit in the garden. The first time that humans missed the mark. The first time that humans sinned. They ate the fruit of the tree of Knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil. And what Richard said is, God doesn't want us judging good and evil. Now, wait a second. Doesn't that sound weird? Doesn't that sound weird? Don't we teach our kids to know the difference between good and evil? Don't we, don't we, aren't we constantly watching to discern what's good and what's evil? But the first sin was to eat the forbidden fruit that came from a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what's God saying with that? You see, what happens is, as people, as human beings, we judge in a way that makes us good and others evil. That when we're judging good and evil, we're creating some who are in 
and some who are out. We're going to create theologies and doctrines that some go to heaven while others go to hell. Some are loved by God while others are rejected by God. And did you notice that throughout his life, Jesus never judged anyone to be evil? Yeah, he had things to say to the religious leaders at the time who were missing the mark, but he never called anyone evil. He never said, look at that person. That's what evil looks like. He never did that. And what Richard's devotion said is, he said the problem with with knowledge of good and evil is we divide and we separate and we rank and we judge human beings and we write them off. I don't have to serve the ones who are evil. I I I can dehumanize them. I can oppress them and persecute them because I've created this mindset that I'm good and they're not. What Jesus did throughout his life is he was a servant. He poured himself out. Everything he did was to be a blessing to all families of the earth, every ethnicity, every political uh, 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 system, every, or not system, but every, every, doesn't matter where people fell politically, didn't matter where people fell uh, nationalistically, didn't matter where people fell even religiously. Jesus loved them all. And even when he was arrested and beaten and nailed to a cross, he didn't call those people who were killing him evil. You ever notice that? What did he do for them? He prayed for them. He forgave them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So up until he took his last breath, he was a servant. Because it's only through love and service and compassion and generosity that God's vision of life in every family of this earth can be blessed. And so, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Charlotte, who just had to step out for a moment. Do you know who Charlotte is? She's a child of God. Now, when she goes off to college and does stupid things, will that change? No. When she's 15 and decides God doesn't exist, Will that change? No. And, and even if people ridicule her and call her names and put her down, she's still a child of God. That can never be taken away from her. That's you. You're children of God. And you're not here to use God for your purposes. You're not here to manipulate God to give you what you want. You're here to be a servant. You're here to pour your life out in the same way Jesus did. And to stop judging, stop labeling, stop categorizing some who are the good and some who are the evil, some who are the in and some who are the out, because we're called to love everyone, all people. Every single life matters. And so, God's vision, this story that started back in the Garden of Eden and then, then flowed through Abraham and Sarah and through Moses and finally to John the Baptizer and Jesus, it's now our turn in that story. And we get to, to be the blessing to all families in the, in the earth. So I pray that as you go through this holiday season, you be thinking about how you're called to be a blessing to those around you. Not judging, not separating, not dividing, just choosing to love in every circumstance so that God's vision of life and opportunity for all may come to fruition. God loves each of you, and I do too. Amen.